Good morning. <clears throat> As my friend Fred Rogers would say, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And I'm so pleased that you're all here, that we can be together. <clears throat> this morning's scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, is taken from Proverbs. And it's relatively short, but it, to me, it just said so much. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as dew on the grass. Dew on the grass. My topic today is, are you a warrior? And I, I must admit this is not in the script, but I'm going to do it anyway. If I can get this little thing off. As you know, I work in the carousel as a volunteer. And in the carousel recently came a little bracelet. And it's cut out letters. And believe it or not, it says warrior. So I thought, why not talk about warriors on Memorial Day? Tomorrow is Memorial Day, as we all know. It's a, a day of remembrance. It's a day of thought. And, and hopefully it's a day of reflection. Way back when, we used to call it Decoration Day. It was first widely observed <clears throat> excuse me, in May 1868 to commemorate the sacrifices of the, the soldiers and sailors who died in the Civil War. Now, the number of soldiers and sailors who died between 1861 and 1865, the time of the Civil War, is generally estimated at 620,000 men and women. And that is approximately total to the American fatalities in the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Mexican War, the Spanish War, World War I and World War II, and Korea. It would be nice today if we could limit our remembrance of war to the Civil War. That's it. Civil War. But sadly, we keep adding wars and police actions and other armed conflicts to the list of tragedies that we have to remember. Sadly, armed conflicts continue with tragic regularity. The already crowded halls of the fallen continue to grow. And sadly, we collectively seem to have turned a deaf ear on all of this. We forget that Jesus told us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace, my friends, is a gift. Been there for, for us for a long, long time. Jesus left it for us to have. He gave it to us. And sadly, I think we far too often turn our back on the gift of peace. And so tomorrow, one day out of 365, we're going to remember those brave young and women, those warriors who have sacrificed their lives 
so that we may be free. Another word I think we sometimes forget to think about. Sacrifice as a word just doesn't do it, do it justice. Very few of us can begin to imagine what those fallen warriors went through, what that sacrifice really entailed. And I'm not talking about the warriors themselves, the guys who carried the swords and carried the, carried the, uh, the armor. I'm talking about the doctors and the nurses and the medics and all of the other people who were involved in this and gave their lives. And I don't think we think about them enough. Some of the folks that we're supposed to be remembering today, we never met. All about, all, the only thing we know about them is, is what we read in history books and occasionally we see on a, a TV documentary. Some, however, have faces that are intimately familiar, faces we can still see. They're our kin, they're our family. They are our fathers and our sons, our mothers and our daughters, our aunts and our uncles. Growing up, I've always thought of warriors as being soldiers. You know, the guys who wear the uniforms and the snappy hats and they carry the rifles and they, almost always I think of them in the context of war, military conflicts. Interestingly enough, this is an exercise you might want to get involved in. If you go to Google and you look up fallen warriors, what you get is a list of 24 warriors who are very, very old, 2,000-year-old men. And if you want to find out about the female warriors in life, you've got to be gender-specific. But let's think about the, the great female warriors. They have names like Tubman, Rosa Parks, and Susan B. Anthony, Mother Teresa, Eleanor Roosevelt, more to be named. So now I realize that I have to broaden my definition of what a warrior is. They are still soldiers. They're still fighting on our behalf and they're still fighting wars. But the wars have changed. We've, we've changed the definition of a war. Now the wars, the enemies, are labeled injustice, poverty, discrimination, hunger, disease, bullying, and a laundry list that goes on and seems almost endless. You know, today we use terms like climate warriors. The image that we have of Jesus in scripture and in art and elsewhere is that of one who will bring peace and mercy unto the world. While all that is true, I believe there is also a warrior side to Jesus that is exhibited in the scripture from the very start of his ministry until the resurrection. My image of Jesus has been like yours, I think, one of kindness and gentleness and healing and shepherding and insight. 
a man who is always surrounded by adoring little children and little Tweety birds, a man who personifies serenity and tranquility and goodness. What I find in Jesus shelters the storms in my life. My image of Jesus has not changed, and I don't think it ever will. But there was another side to Jesus, the soldier, God's soldier. Jesus was a warrior, and I think he still is. But in thinking about his words, it appears he is not so much at war with people, but with the sins of arrogance and temptation, indifference, irreverence, and the contradiction between words and deeds. Some things never change. And while Jesus preaches peace and mercy, he never was shy about confronting what needs to be challenged. And we all remember Jesus in the temple where he overthrew the, the, the moneylenders' tables. When he was sort of at peace of himself on top of the mountain, and he, he confronted the devil, chased him away. In Mark it says, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you, the devil, are making a den of robbers. In Isaiah we read, the Lord goes out like a mighty man. Like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. He cries out, he shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. So Jesus was angry, let's face it, but his anger was justified, it was righteous. We remember the story of, in, in Mark about the time when when Jesus went into a synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of the folks that were there were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus for any reason, watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked all that were there, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But the Pharisees remained silent, and Jesus looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at, at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand and his hand was completely restored. And the Pharisees then went out to begin their plot to kill Jesus. Does anyone ever have to apologize for doing the right thing? You know, I always, I always like this Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It gives us guidance and counsel. Paul says, finally, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, 
with the world rulers in the present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. Parenthetically, have things changed? Therefore, put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to hold your ground. So stand forth with your loins girded, girded in truth, clothed with righteousness as a breastplate, and your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. Paul continues, in all circumstances, hold faith as a shield to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I think Paul, right then and there, is asking us to be warriors. Are we warriors? Now, these words may have been written in ancient times. They're totally relevant directions for us today. They're a prescription for life. Before I go on, I, I have to contrast, you know, back in, in Proverbs where it says there's the king of the lion and, and dew on the grass. In the book of Revelations, Jesus is not only called the Alpha and the Omega, but he's referred to as the Lion of Judah. We all know the lion is the king of the jungle, who is strong, who is fierce, and who fears no one and never, never walks away from a fight. He is a warrior king astride a white horse in Revelations, leading armies of heaven to slay the nations with his sword of mouth. A sword of mouth. I should also point to, uh, to Proverbs, again, our scripture for the morning, the king's wrath is as a roaring of a lion. But his favor, his favor is as dew on the grass. That's quite a contrast. His favor is as dew on the grass. Are we warriors? Would we, in fact, recognize a warrior if we saw one? Maybe not. Not all warriors wear distinctive uniforms. Many of them look a lot and talk a lot like you and me. Some warriors, many warriors, don't roar like lions. Some of them are silent, silent warriors. Some of them go unseen on purpose. Too many times these warriors go unheralded. I think about warriors as being reserved and called to action, rarely boastful, humbled by their cause and the weight of their actions. You know, I'm reminded of a television show, many of you have probably seen it, it's called, What Would You Do? It's a long-running ABC TV series that shows pe how people behave when they think no one is watching. What do we do when we think? No one is watching. Using hidden cameras to recall real actions to thought-provoking scenarios, anchor John Quinones reports on those split-second decisions evil individuals have to make when confronted by, by situations involving, let's say, racism, bias, bullying, 
Quinones observes and comments on how ordinary people behave when they're confronted with dilemmas that require them either to take action or walk by and mind their own business. How many times in my life have I walked by and minded my own business? But there always seems to be one hero, I guess you could call him a hero or a warrior, sitting in the background that takes objection to the bully and calls them into account. This reinforces my basic belief in the goodness of my fellows. Frankly, it also makes me squirm again. I find my, myself embarrassed by the action of the bullies and the antagonists. So I guess it begs the question, how would you react if you saw someone mistreating a little child or mistreating an animal? Would you put on your warrior's armor and try to right the wrong? Or would you simply turn your back, smile a sad little smile, walk away, and mind your own business? Is it, in fact, your responsibility, our responsibility, to feed the hungry and heal the wounded, or shelter the homeless? What would I do? Would I pass the test? Well, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that I would step up and do the right thing. And perhaps I have. Perhaps I have, but I don't remember when. I don't remember the situation. For me, it's not a question of what I would have done. It's a question of what will I do? What will I do and will I do it better? Maybe one of the answers comes from James where it says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that is for you evil. So for the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is a sin. Now, we all know that marching back into history to rewrite the wrongs is impossible. But my son Jeff and I recently went on one of our, our museum tours in the nation's capital. And one of our stops, of course, was the Lincoln Memorial. And there on the right hand of, of Abraham Lincoln was his Gettysburg Address. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've read the Gettysburg Address. But I can tell you that every time I do, I'm overwhelmed with its simplicity, its fundamental wisdom, and its insight. And as Bo and I were talking a little while ago, every once when I read that, I tear up. I tear up. Let me read you a portion of this splendid document that helps make the point I'm trying to make. Lincoln said, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here 
for us, dedicated to this great task remaining before us, that from those honored death dead we would take increased devotion to the cause for which they gave full measure. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. Well, that's the meaning of Memorial Day to me. We're fighting. We're fighting for the rest of our lives. And we may have to be warriors to do it. Maybe not with swords, but with our actions and our words and our deeds. And maybe we will go unheralded as we do this. But somewhere, I think, between me and Jesus, he'll know it. Let me finish with a poem. I always love to finish with a poem. <laughs> this was a poem written by John F. Hooper, who I don't think was a, a, a noted poem poet. But he wrote this in the words of a fallen warrior, and it just made a lot of sense to me. Hooper says, in the name of this fallen warrior, I fight not for fame or glory, for they're momentary. I fight for those who can't. I fight for justice. I fight for the oppressed and the downtrodden. And if I should give my life for these just causes, then I have no regrets, for I serve to protect the innocent. It matters not where or when, for evil knows no boundaries, be it fire, flood, or the threat of tyranny, I will not flee. Faith is my shield, hope is my armor. Cry not at my passing, the poet writes, for it was my honor to fight for you. Shed not tears of sorrow, but tears of joy. For now, I stand with God. Amen.